All right. How's it going today, folks? This is your host for the Point Being podcast, Edward Salaya. This is the second of our Zoom mini episodes, uh, with today's featuring our Daily Star government reporter, Justin Sayers. Justin, how are you today? Doing okay. How about you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Happy Passover, by the way. Thank you. I know. This is my, my least favorite of the, the Jewish holidays. It was already terrible, and now it's going to be even worse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you could say the world has kind of gotten in the spirit of the holiday. This yes. Year. Yeah, I know. It's the one time where everyone's going to have to start eating matzah because it's the only thing you can find on the shelves. <laughs> you know what? That's a pretty good lead-in um, to what we really want to talk with you about today. Um, and I, I think the first, the first thing I, I kind of want everybody to, to really listen to is the timeline of how we kind of got to where we're at right now as the city of Tucson. Uh, you're a city of Tucson guy. Kind of walk us through um, what we've been up to these last three, week, three weeks. Yeah, so it's uh, it's kind of no secret uh, that that mayors across Arizona, including uh, our Tucson mayor, Regina Romero, have been, you know, pretty strong in their criticisms of uh, Arizona Governor Doug Ducey and also Kirsten Cinema has been pretty, you know, uh, uh, critical of, you know, perceived inaction by the governor and delaying his, uh, uh, his stand on making a, a stay-at-home order. A lot of the mayors across the state have really stepped in and kind of preemptively did stuff like stay-at-home orders and, and restaurant uh, uh, limitations. So that was definitely the case here in Tucson. I have a timeline pulled up here that Romero's office actually put out yesterday. Um, so March 12th was when they limited uh, uh, restaurants to um, drive through and take out only. Um, that was also the day they suspended Tucson water shutoffs, um, stopped evictions on city-owned public housing, um, suspended all meetings, uh, like in-person meetings, mm-hmm. um, and much, much more. So and that was like after the beginning that, of it. Yeah. Yeah. And after that was when the pressure on Ducey kind of ramped up. Um, let's see, what else did the, the mayor, uh, you know, uh, close down those non-essential functions that Ducey did 12, that Ducey uh, uh, kind of set barometer parameters on, um, on March 23rd. And then on March 24th, Romero announced that she was ordering the shutdown of all those non-essential services and recommending that hair salons, nail salons, other businesses like that should be shut down. And then Ducey finally, you know, issued his stay at home order on March 30th. So Tucson was kind of pretty far ahead of the curve on uh, uh, their limitations compared to the state. Do you think that, I know we've, we've kind of said that uh, Romero is, as and other mayors have pressured uh, Ducey. Do you think that these kind of larger cities, I think Phoenix and Flagstaff uh, were two other kind of prominent cities that were in that same vein. Do you think that really did uh, end up forcing Ducey's hand to be like, all right, well, that's 75% of the state right there anyways. Yeah. I, I genuinely don't know. I mean, a lot was working toward, toward Ducey making these, uh, these uh, actions. 
So there were, I think by the time that Arizona uh, issued their stay-at-home order, there was nearly 20 states that had already done it. Um, A lot of those states were Republican-led, had Republican governors, including Ohio, I think North Carolina as well. So, you know, I don't know if it was the pressure from here, it was the pressure from everywhere, but, you know, I think in general, my sense from the public is that the majority of the public was actually in favor of something like this. Um, A lot of the health departments across the country, the CDC, you know, they're announcing their limitations. So I think it was kind of, you know, the only thing that made sense for, for the governor. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, um, you know, just along that kind of same vein uh, with uh, Mayor Romero, um, she's been prominent in more ways than just putting pressure on politicians kind of above her pay grade. Um, Mm -hmm. Been out there uh, with YouTube videos pretty much every day, announcements, uh, really kind of, I I would say, kind of getting ahead of some of the um, some of the bigger things coming. do you see that as something strategic for her politically going forward, uh, just kind of raising her profile? I think no doubt. I mean, there's been speculation since she announced she was running for mayor that, you know, she might be interested in a, a higher office and nobody knows what's going to happen. You know, I think right now there's really no logical place for her to go besides staying as as mayor of Tucson. So that's kind of a discussion that's always going to pop up and, and, you know, if Raul Grijalva announces he's retiring, her name will always be connected to something like that. Um, but for now, she's the mayor of Tucson. And, you know, she's been doing these video briefings. And also Pima County has been doing these daily video briefings. And I think they've offered uh, a pretty calming uh, tone for a lot of people here. Uh-huh. Um, the downside is the city is pretty limited in what it can do compared to to what the state can do. And that was, you know, outlined in a story by our Capitol reporter, Howie Fisher, about a week and a half ago that his, you know, essential and non-essential statements actually also limited the cities in what they can do. Hmm. So they pretty much can't go any stronger than what the, the governor is doing out of a threat of a lawsuit. And that actually... You know, that happened in Flagstaff when yeah. he decided to shut down nail and hair salons. And I think it was Vince Leach, our very own Vince Leach, uh, who uh, filed a claim with the attorney general's office to stop that and said, you know, if Tucson does it, we're going to, I'm going to file a claim against them too. So there's a lot of politics going on and a lot of politics at play. And I think that is Gotcha. 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 So let's talk uh, about something else that uh, kind of kind of localizes the story that I think everybody's seeing really globally. And that's uh, shortages of TP uh, and other uh, kind of supplies at their lo- at local grocery stores. Uh, you wrote a great story a few weeks ago now um, about like the initial run on toilet paper and pretty much all things uh, hand sanitizer and cleaning. Um, talk to us a little bit about what you found out about why there was that initial shortage and why some kind of still persist. So yeah, one word, demand. So I spoke with a couple supply chain management professors uh, in the state, and both of them said there are no issues with supply chain as of now. Um, That could become a problem, you know, if 
Mexico uh, prevent workers from coming, coming across the border and limit trade. Um, that could affect the supply chain, but right now there's no shortage on supply. It's just an increase in demand. And they fully expect, you know, this problem to abate at some point um, because people are bought up, you know, months and months and months worth of food and months and months and months worth of toilet paper. They need to use that much food and toilet paper. So their de- the demand is increasing, but consumption is staying the same. So their theory is that, you know, these problems are, are going to get better just with time. And the grocery stores, they're, they're increasing their stocking, you know, limiting how many of these items you can buy. Um, but even they can't keep up with, you know, a bull rush of people at 9 a.m. To, to take all the toilet paper that they have to stock for the day, and that's normally what they sell. So that's kind of the issue. I will say, so my family's from California, mm-hmm. and my sister is a professional chef, so she's uh, in grocery stores, you know, every day. Uh-huh. And, uh, she's been joking that Tucson is like two weeks behind uh, California because obviously they took their efforts earlier and she said that it's getting a lot easier to find stuff there still can't find like Lysol spray toilet paper there's still a run on but other stuff like meat eggs milk that's uh, a problem that's getting better over there well it's good to hear that it's getting better somewhere because I (laughs) like to find some toilet paper so tell me about it yeah I know close I got really lucky at a Target at the uh, Elcon Mall uh, over the weekend. So that was like, that made my weekend. Not going to lie. <laughs> it's the little right now. Got to take all the wins when you can get them. I, I told yep. you that. Um, so another really cool story that you wrote, gosh, man, you, you wear a lot of hats for us. Um, had to do with something else that's really been affected during this pandemic. And that's uh, Chinese food restaurants. Um, there were, I believe, two two restaurants that you profiled in that story. Uh, yeah. What What did you learn from the the owners, some of the workers there? What are What are some of the challenges they're facing? Talk to us a little about that. So yeah, um, I think this has kind of been a national topic. Obviously, you know, use the term Chinese virus um, has become pretty controversial, and you know, it's pretty uh, widely you know, uh, denounced by the, the Chinese-American community um, and the use of that word uh, being perceived as a racist term because it associates the virus with Chinese people. So there's um, been a lot of reporting done nationally at local newspapers just on a rise of um, anti, anti-Asian sentiments, whether that's, you know, something as, you know, extreme as attacks on Chinese or Asian Americans um, or, you know, language against those people or, you know, leaving voicemails at restaurants. So I kind of wanted to see if that was happening here. Um, I heard offhand from a, a Chinese American business owner who told me that he's heard from other Chinese American restaurant owners um, that they've gotten voicemails of people telling them, like, why did you bring this here? They've heard comments. So I reached out to the the Tucson Chinese Association uh, president, um, and he told me that, you know, I haven't heard anything specific. I asked TPD. They said, I have not heard of a single incident um, that's been reported like that. 
And then I spoke to uh, the two Chinese uh, restaurant owners um, and they both said it's actually been the opposite. They said, we've heard a lot of support. So that was, you know, pretty newsworthy and everyone's looking for news right now. So I do yeah. qualify that as good news. And well, I, it kind of speaks a lot to the, the Tucson community in general. I was just going to say that that's good to hear that Tucson's kind of getting to the other side of what could be a negative national news story and supporting uh, restaurants, Chinese restaurants uh, locally. Yeah. Um, so it's funny for me. Sorry. Oh uh, no. For me. So I worked in Louisville, Kentucky for the last three years before I moved here. And the mayor there, he coined the term for Louisville, compassionate city was what he called Louisville. But honestly, after living there and living here, like, I think Tucson is a pretty compassionate city just in general. You always see, you know, people are out there trying to help um, people from all walks of life. So I think that is a, a pretty fair thing to say about the Tucson community. Well, we may not have Papa John's, but we definitely are pretty nice out here. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, talk to us about some stories that you might be working on uh, coming up here. Uh, I, I'd heard... Uh, from a little bird that there might be a few less little birds on the Tucson city streets in a little bit. Yes. So, uh, uh, just about an hour ago, I found out that bird is apparently going to be taking their scooters or already has, I don't know for sure yet. Stay tuned and we'll get the full story, but All right. we'll definitely link to that. <laughs> bird is apparently suspending, uh, the, their scooter pilot program as a result of the coronavirus. Um, there's been a couple people critical of the, the scooters, namely Steve Kachik, who uh, uh, brought it up in a council meeting a couple weeks ago, um, just saying that he was concerned about the transmission of coronavirus on these scooters because, I mean, multiple people are using these and, you know, you're parking it in front of someone's house and then someone else is hopping on. So Bird apparently is suspending the result of that, but Razor uh, is going to be continuing and they're actually going to be doing some stuff like offering uh, uh, free rides for healthcare workers to hospitals, uh, taking disinfecting measures. So, wow. yeah, so that'll be fun. Um, I guess the they can try thing it. On, uh, uh, the governor yesterday, uh, um, announced another emergency proclamation that allows restaurants around the states uh, to serve as pop-up grocery stores. So this is something we're seeing in other states, including Los Angeles, um, where restaurants are basically, you know, they have so much supply and they can't sell it right now because Mm -hmm. nobody can eat in their restaurants. So they're allowing them to, you know, sell eggs or flour or prepackaged dinners or toilet paper. So okay. yeah, Mero Mero actually followed that up and she uh, said that they're, that basically you won't have to uh, change your permit um, to be able to do stuff like this. The one okay. thing it does not allow is if you do not sell alcohol already, you cannot just start selling alcohol. So, <laughs> You can't turn yourself into a liquor store overnight. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be good. I know there, there actually were a handful of, of 
Tucson restaurants that were doing that already. I know personally, I went to Bison Witches a couple weeks ago and they were selling bread. Um, Hotel Congress is selling toilet paper and other stuff. Um, I, our food writer, uh, Andy Berland, actually had written about this a couple of days ago. Um, Lemon Shark Pokey, um, Poke, sorry. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, they're selling some stuff. Uh, I think it's Guinea's Bakery or Genie's. Uh-huh. Genie's. Apologies. Yeah. Apologies to these businesses for completely butchering your names. <laughs> uh, but you're selling some items like flour. So yeah, I mean, it's a, uh, it's important because the revenue stream for these restaurants that lost pretty much everything and are limited to takeout and, yeah, and it's obviously going to be pretty hard on the, the local restaurant and local business community. So kind of offers them another another way to, to capitalize on, on their product. Well, it's good to hear. I, I The last thing you want to see is really waste, especially in a time like, like now. When exactly. Perishable stuff like that, you might as well. Uh, it makes sense just logically, uh, legislation for once. Uh, to let let restaurants do that. Um, Justin, thank you so much, man. I know you're extremely busy, so I'm going to let you get back to that. But if you have a Twitter handle or anything like that, a social media site that you'd like to kind of get out there and promote, go ahead and I'm going to let you go ahead and do that. Man, what an honor. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, I believe my handle is at underscore Justin Sayers, A-U-S-T-I-N, S-A-Y-E-R-S. Um, I also have my Facebook page. I share all our stories here at the Star and some other stories from here locally and nationally. So that's just under my name, Justin Sayers, and it's got a blue verified check mark on it. Um, yeah, I think that's all I got. Thank you for having me on, and thank you for everyone for listening. Definitely, man. We, I, you know, it's good to have local experts like yourself, local reporters who are on the ground, letting people know what's going on on our show, giving them a different avenue, a different different kind of way of getting their stories out there. And folks, definitely follow Justin uh, on all of the social media sites and look for his stories, both on Tucson.com and the Arizona Daily Star and in the Arizona Daily Star. But yeah, thank you for listening. This has been another mini-sode. And for Justin Sayers, I'm your host, Edward Salaya. Thanks for listening, folks.